0: What's up, everyone? I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Best Podcast. Today is a special crossover episode. The first time we brought together a member of our entertainment staff, that's senior editor, Leanne Bukovic. Hey, Leanne, how are you?
1: Hey, Will. I'm, you know, doing fine. Thanks for having me.
0: Did I I mangle your name, by the way?
1: I I know. I usually say Bukovic, but it's fine. It's not a big deal. (laughs)
0: Okay, we're starting off on a great foot. And um, (laughs) from our food team, staff writer Kat
2: Thompson, how are you, Kat? I'm great. And I guess, yeah, my name is pretty easy to say.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I felt safe on that one. Uh, So worlds (laughs) are colliding here. Uh, We're talking about the best food movies of all time. We're also going to give some recs on food docs and TV series you can stream, some of the best food moments in movies that aren't necessarily about food. So my initial question do you guys ever pair food with movies? Like when you're watching a movie, do you, do you cook a dinner? I watched Godfather 3 last night for the first time, actually. And really? I I made sure I had some red wine and a meatball sub. Leanne, do you ever do that? Or, or is that just me?
1: You know, I don't, but I don't think it's a bad idea. Like in, in the spirit, I think it's very fun. Um, I guess I'm just lazy, really.
0: <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Cat. Yeah. yeah cat what do you think
2: yeah pretty much ditto although i will say like i always have a snack when i'm watching a movie maybe because like i yeah i don't know just like the joy of eating while <laughs> sitting on the couch and consuming content is um fun but it's usually like a bag of chips or like i order pizza I don't know. It's something that, like, I don't put
0: forth much effort to make, so. Weird. For once, yeah. I'm putting the most effort forth here. Uh, that usually doesn't yeah. happen.
2: I will say that pairing
1: <laughs> booze is more natural to me, I think, with, like, if, you know, like you mentioned The Godfather, if you watch something like Goodfellas, you want a, a nice red wine. Sure. Or, you know, if it's a Korean film, maybe some soju, or Japanese something sake, or, you know, like, i don't know wine from a cool region
0: i like that yeah i like that um yeah. and that, low effort <laughs> low effort yeah, exactly. a little bit easier you don't have to think
1: about it very much
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> for sure so on that note i think we want to get right into it um the top three food cooking restaurant related movies of all time i mean that's not really a genre but i think i think we all know what we're talking about when we mention you know food centric movies I want to hear your top three, and I have three as well, and I think maybe we should just go around um, in descending order, and I'll go first, really. my Number three for me is a pretty easy pick. It's Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, it is totally about food and candy and everything in it looks delicious. I love the songs. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. I loved it since I was a kid. Um, and my favorite piece of trivia from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory is that Peter Ostrom, who played Charlie, quit showbiz after the movie, ended up being a large animal vet working with horses. Did you guys know that? Mm. Yeah.
2: I did not. I did not know that. Interesting. (laughs) Were we supposed to bring (laughs) trivia? I did not bring trivia. (laughs)
0: No, please. That's just something I've always known. (laughs) You don't need any trivia.
1: (laughs) The first thing you ever learned about Willy Wonka is the fate of the actor who played Charlie. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. So, um, I di- I this. I agree, though, that like Willy Wonka is a is a great and fun food movie. Um, I am curious, though. I did kind of want to bring this up. Willy Wonka or Charlie and the Chocolate Factory? You know, the the remake with Johnny Depp. How how do you feel about that in comparison, Will?
0: Well, here's. I'm glad you brought that up because I, I didn't want to take too much time on this, but I'm glad to. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think that. I'm a big Roald Dahl fan. I I've read all of his books. Um, you know, when I was a kid, but I think that the okay. Tim Burton movie is a lot more faithful to the actual book. But as terms of a film, I really like the original, um, the 1970s Willy Wonka version a lot better. I just think it's it's much more entertaining.
1: It's really hard to beat. Also, yeah. like the the whole like tunnel sequence when they're in the boat and everything around them is just like they're on a bad acid trip truly freaked me out when i was a kid and it's like one of the first thing that first things that maybe scarred me uh which is to say now i love the movie it's great (laughs) (laughs) i mean it is (laughs) all of the grandparents in the bed (laughs) yeah
0: yeah yeah that's kind of weird um and there's the whole grandpa joe is really you know the biggest scumbag in the world if you look at all the evidence um well leanne what, what do you think what's your third favorite food-centric Well, movie.
1: so I actually have a, a tie okay. for my third. Um, I have... Uh, number three is 1994's Eat, Drink, Man, Woman. Uh, it's an Ang film that is set in Taipei. And it's about, like, this patriarch and his three daughters living life. And he runs, like, this, this big restaurant and just loves cooking for people. Um, and it's lovely and funny and dramatic and all of these great things. Uh, my second, third favorite, I guess, is <laughs> uh, called "Like Water for Chocolate," and it came out in 1992. And it is a uh, Mexican film based on a novel by a woman named Laura Esquivel. Um, and it's just like this very surreal telling about um, a woman and her two daughters, and like this crazy, like love triangle that kind of happens between. Um, the youngest daughter, who's supposed to be, like, taking care of the mother, like, based on tradition, isn't allowed to marry, but is just, like, at home cooking and, and doing all of these beautiful, like, things for other people. But, yeah, it's, it's, like, the surreal element of it is the thing that, like, really is exciting for me. I love, like, magical realism and all of that. So, like, one of the main characters, her name is Tisa, but she, like, cries into a cake, a wedding cake, her sister's wedding cake, actually. Um, and then the next day, like when they eat it, all of the guests are like sobbing uh, and it makes everybody sick. <laughs> um, and she cooks this like beautiful rose sauce um, that makes everybody who eats it like super horny, which sends her sister like off on a, a craze and like ends up in a, a brothel at the border. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, movies that make people horny. Good. <laughs> <A plus. laughs>
0: <laughs> Hungry and horny. What a great combination. Well, Kat,
1: Exactly. It's
0: <laughs> Kat, you're coming at, so Leanne, you know, works for our entertainment team. Um, you're coming at it from a food writer perspective. So you think about food all the time. It's, it's your job. So interested here in what your take is, what is your third favorite food movie of all time?
2: Yeah, I am honestly was like low-key stressed about this because I was like, I don't know as much about movies as both of you um and i feel like okay well for starters i'm gonna say right now that um this entire podcast i'm going to be talking about animated movies a lot because for some reason animated movies just look the food in the animated movies look so much better yeah um but Absolutely. i guess it's so weird because i want to say and i'm going to talk about pixar for a bit but not ratatouille yet Ooh. i want to say that i like to think about bug's life as a Ooh. movie wow. in the sense okay. of like production of food and like how i don't know i think about like migrant workers and colonialism and the ways in which like we don't appreciate food or the people who produce food um so it, i don't know if that counts as like a food movie but i just want to throw it out there that a bug's life makes me think about food production okay. which i think well, i, I love interpretation yeah me too <laughs> Yeah, I'll I'll get to Ratatouille in a bit, which is like my favorite <laughs> movie of all time. Right. But um, come back to me in two rounds.
0: <laughs> I love that. Okay, that's super interesting. Um, so for me, number two is um The Trip, which I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's Steve Coogan, Rob Rodger playing oh, yeah. um playing mm-hmm. kind of exaggerated versions of themselves, going through different types of midlife crises while they tour Northern England to review a bunch of fancy restaurants and you know. Do a bunch of Michael Caine impressions on the way, which I won't do mine. We don't need that. And uh, I didn't know until I was kind of looking this up because there are sequels, The Trip to Italy, The Trip to Spain, and recently, I think last year, The Trip to Greece. I didn't know this was actually a series that was recut uh, to be released as a film. I had no idea.
1: I remember seeing The Trip like in theaters. I don't even remember why. I was like, oh, man, I got to go see this movie. (laughs) That's weird. Like 2010, let's go. But I did. And like, it's so fun. They just like nag each other the whole time.
0: Yeah, it's hilarious. And eating
1: like delicious food.
0: Yeah, I I actually rewatched um all of them right when quarantine started because you know like you can't travel, you can't really go out to restaurants. So it was the perfect kind of antidote to that. So um you know I've been thinking about it lately, and it's 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 highly rewatchable. So yeah, Leanne, your number two pick. What are you thinking?
1: Okay, so I'm not gonna steal Cats Under, and we can wait to talk about this until her her true pick. But my number two <laughs> is Ratatouille. Yeah. And that's all I'll say about
2: it for now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I feel like we just need to have a larger about it to the conversation, the three of us, because it's just the freaking best movie. <laughs> it is. It is.
0: It is. Well, yeah, we can we can say that because I have a, you know, spoiler alert. I kind of I kind of picked that as well. So, Kat, uh, you number two. <laughs>
2: um, interestingly enough, well, maybe this is recency bias because I watched it on Netflix kind of recently, but um, that movie, The Platform. Um, oh. In an interesting food pick movie, more food scarcity. Yeah, I don't know why I'm like, wh- I don't know where my brain is going. Maybe it's like the <laughs> pandemic. I'm just like really negative or something. But also, again, thinking about food scarcity and um what are the luxuries that some can afford that others cannot. And then thinking about like that. What was that thing, uh, panna cotta that they were trying to protect at the end? Oh, mm-hmm. sorry for. Uh, sorry, spoiler, we're trying to protect <laughs> Panna Cotta at the end, but it's like this beautiful Panna Cotta, like spoiled with, like, uh, cannibalism or etc. Sorry, spoiler alert, everyone. <laughs> no, a, so, you can basically get the gist of it if you watch the trailer, but yeah.
0: Yeah, well, for people that don't know, because I, I think I've seen the trailer for it, but what is just generally the platform about?
2: Yeah, it, these people are stuck in this prison, and the prison has, like, like hundreds of um, different layers to it and so there's um everyone's like trapped in this room and with and on a different floor in the prison and then each day from the very top this like platform is filled like filled to the brim with food and it's like filled with layered cakes and lobster and like just like luxurious items so each time like the people at the very top can eat whatever they want and then eventually by like 4 70 or 80 or whatever like all the food is gone so the people on the floor are, like 300 are starving and eventually like um, reduce get reduced to like cannibalism or like they die. I don't know. It's uh, very graphic, but the food does look beautiful when it's not being like completely smashed. Interesting. It's kind of like a vertical snow piercer. Yeah. Instead
1: of a yeah. Crane, yeah, it's like the up and down platform. If think yeah. about it that way.
0: So you know, lots of foreshadowing here. My number one um, is Ratatouille. I'm just, you know, I'm just gonna say it, and I will let you guys speak to it. But, uh, it is also we did a best Pixar movie podcast way, way back in the year 2019, and that was actually my pick for my favorite Pixar movie. <laughs> I love it; it's definitely one of my favorite movies of all time. Leanne, what's your take here?
1: Okay, well, my number one is not Ratatouille, as you can, nice. as we know already. Nice. Um, my number one is Uh, Tom Popo, which is. Uh, what they, what what is called? I guess a ramen western, quote unquote. Mm. Um, it's a Japanese film, um, basically about this woman who is like striving to make like the perfect bowl of ramen. Uh, stars a very young Ken Watanabe who like cheers on the woman whose name is Kampopo, which means dandelion, which is very nice. Um, mm-hmm. And then like kind of. On um, the side, as all of this is, as all of that is happening, that's like the central story, there's like this Yakuza guy who's kind of like narrating the thing, but you also are like getting peeks into his life, and it's just like about everybody's connection with food, and also it's super horny. Uh, so <laughs> like on brand, I guess, uh, there are some very, very famous explicit scenes, uh, one including this. This yakuza guy and the, his like mistress in a hotel room doing all this like weird, dirty stuff with food, like cracking open a raw egg and then like spitting the yolk back and forth into each other's mouths until it like explodes. G- get it? Um, oh my god, yeah, Good lord, I'm <laughs> um, on a warning phase, and I, I apparently the yeah, the horny quarantine, I guess. Uh, but like the thing is it's like it's it's not like necessarily pornographic it's it's just like the like weird erotic sensual same with like like water for chocolate uh very similar in the way of like there's a lot of like sensuality mixed in with the food which i feel is just kind of like I mean, it's the kind of thing that like Anthony Bourdain was all about, right? Yeah. RIP. But yeah, it's yeah totally. noticing the, the crossover between the two. Well,
0: definitely, Leon, I'm glad you brought that movie up because when I was kind of looking um around at clips of food and movies, that uh, title came up a lot and I had never heard of it. Yeah. And it just seems
1: interesting at the very least. Yeah, no, it's on the. it was restored by Criterion in, I believe, 2016. Um, so you can watch it
2: on the Criterion channel.
0: Awesome. So, Kat, your number one pick.
2: Yeah, it's it's ratatouille. Same as you will. Yeah. It's just I love like the idea that anyone can cook is like the running theme. It's so yeah. sweet. Yeah. Also, the you know like the scene where the food critic like tastes the ratatouille. It like reminds me. It's like very like proustian like Prof eat, Proust eating the Madeleine and being transported to like a time in his childhood and like the food critic eating the ratatouille and. You know, thinking about his mom, and I just think like, like us envisioning the ways, or like we we can all relate to the way that like the taste of something can like take us to a moment that's like very special or sacred to us. And yeah, that movie like really highlights that, and that's what I love about food. So I love Ratatouille. Yeah, ten out of ten.
0: It's (laughs) it's so good. Have you ever heard? I was just kind of thinking about this. Have you ever heard that um, the debate that the Ratatouille in Ratatouille isn't actually Ratatouille? And I know I said Ratatouille a lot in that sentence, so <laughs> I'm not sure if that was confusing. But it's actually a variation on a dish called Tian. Do you have any any context here, cat at
2: all? I did not know that that's what people were saying. Because I think, I guess, like, the Ratatouille that they make in the movie is so, like, upscale. And Ratatouille is normally more of a... They even say this in the movie. It's like a peasant dish quote unquote mm-hmm. and it's usually like chunks of vegetables stewed together so it's like pretty simple so I did not know that it's supposed to be a different dish but I mean I think there are restaurants like high-end restaurants that do this all the time like take, take something simple and like use like really nice ingredients to make it different I don't want to say elevated but like sure more upscale I guess
0: <laughs> more presentable in that scenario to people who would care about that type yeah. Of
2: thing. yeah yeah yeah
0: uh, well, those are those are awesome picks, and I kind of want to move it along here because this is great. Um, this is uh, something that really interests me, not necessarily food movies, but favorite food moments in movies that aren't necessarily about food. And I kind of think about this as like, you know, what, what scenes in movies just always make me super hungry? And, and the first thing that comes to my mind is in Hook, the, uh, the Robin Williams, Peter Pan movie. Uh, not that I have to explain, Hook. I think everyone knows what that is. But the imaginary <laughs> dinner scene where, you know, they use their imagination and all of this really bright, like, colorful fantasy food kind of fills up their bowls and then they end up having a food fight. I always thought that that looks just delicious. Um, you know, Kat, you mentioned animated films. I think all of the food in Spirited Away and a lot of the other Studio Ghibli movies always make me hungry. Um, yep. The, and one more... Um, The noodle scene in Blade Runner, when Blade Runner starts at the beginning and Harrison Mm -hmm. Ford is, you know, kind of in the rainy, uh, futuristic L.A. He's eating noodles at a little cart. That just always stuck with me. And I've always kind of just tried to replicate that experience when I travel. And um, I don't know. That's something that always stuck with me that just made me feel.
1: Have have you succeeded?
0: No. (laughs) (laughs) I think the closest I ever got was, um, you know, some of the food markets in Thailand. But um, you know, you mentioned Bourdain, I know I was actually really excited because when he was going to build that uh, big food hall in New York City, that was specifically mm-hmm. something he referenced in, like, his, uh, like, mood board, oh. like, that scene. So I was like, oh, my God, this weird reference is actually coming to life. But um, as we know, that never panned out. Yeah, those are some of my moments. Leanne, are there some moments for you from non-foodie-centric movies that always make you hungry that kind of stick out?
1: Sure. And that, so I have a couple that are, like, Mm, delicious and one that's like mm, disgusting yeah Um, (laughs) uh so I'll be definitely like all the Miyazaki movies like gorgeous animated food just like it looks better uh specifically want to shout out Ponyo Ponyo loves ham dude yeah oh my god I love watching (laughs) little Ponyo eating that bowl ramen and like biting into the ham uh it makes me happy every time that movie is derided unfairly. It's a good movie. It's it's fantastic. It's so warm.
2: Like thank you, cat. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, I was also going to bring up uh the farewell, which came out last year. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. 2019. Jesus, yeah, last year. Um, and that movie just has like a lot of beautiful like family moments, family dinners, like sitting around the table of like I just want to eat everything specifically. um, when Aquafina like, goes back and visits her family for the first time in a while. And, like, they're all eating together and knowing that, like, her grandmother has cancer, but, like, her grandmother doesn't know that, um, which is the conceit of the whole movie. Um, And, yeah, just, like, a lot of shared, beautiful food moments together. Um, I also love the moments in The Phantom Threat, (laughs) uh, but specifically the the breakfast order, the very extensive breakfast order (laughs) Uh, which ends with the note of, like, for the hungry boy, which is a great thing to reference, just calling somebody the hungry boy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Look, Kat, some of your uh, favorite food moments, whether they're gross or appetizing.
2: I'm going to skip over the Ghibli because we kind of hit that. But yes, their food looks the best. Um, I think a moment I, that, like, immediately came to mind, um, was, like, that scene in Inglorious Basterds with the strudel and the whipped cream.
1: Mm-hmm. Like,
2: that scene is, like, steeped in, like, tension, and, like, there's, like, these cuts that, like, we can see, like, the layers, um, the laminated layers of the strudel, but there's, like, this anxiety, and then, like, beautiful shot of the cream being, like, topped. I don't know. I just, like, that was the first thing that came to mind, and probably, like, the only time I will not talk about animated food, I guess, during this <laughs> podcast. Actually, wait, no, I have another one that's not animated, but the... Um, that movie that just came out last year, Always Be My Navy, with, like, Ali Wong. Yeah. Um, they had a lot of great scenes of, like, San Francisco Chinatown and, like, cool dim sum dishes. So that's a good one. But I think the one that is the most nostalgic, and I wonder if this will, like, ring any bells for you guys, but in a Goofy movie, the pizza, the cheese pizza in a Goofy movie, like, when they're lifting a slice and, like, you could see the strands of cheese do you know what i'm talking about because yes, i feel it's like so, it's a very it's so satisfying it, to. Look, yes
1: like thank the you pole okay. is the platonic ideal of the awful yes i i'm not going to say it but it starts with a c and ends with the cheese <laughs> <laughs> It
2: it just looks so freaking good like yeah i i was thinking about i have not seen a goofy movie in a very long time but the cheese the cheese pizza has stayed with me all those years, after all those years.
0: Okay, we're going to take a really quick break, but we'll be right back. So as far as uh, something that people can watch at home, they can stream, um, what, what food-centric TV shows are you watching right now? So I, I'm actually actively looking for some shows and series that I can watch. So Leanne, you know, what's something that you think I would be interested in?
1: Um, have you a little have you heard of a little show called Billions Will? <laughs> uh,
0: Billions like, it's, uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um on Showtime. Uh yeah, I don't know. But obviously Billions is not a, a food show. I was gonna Andy. say I didn't want
0: to say anything. I was like, Oh, uh, I-, I had the wrong idea about that show.
1: <laughs> yeah, but okay. So obviously it's about like, you know high, big money, but like food is such a big part of the show. Um, in a way that like a chefs chef pop in all the time and like act like they're Bobby Axelrod's pal oh really uh yeah so they're like always doing like some kind of like there's always like a food element within the show like Paul Giamatti's character Chuck Rhodes who's like the district attorney for the, the southern district of New York uh takes like one of his his like subordinates to um Oh, my God. Is it Walensky and Co., where they have the, the famous mutton?
0: Smith and Walensky? The steakhouse? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they go there and he kind of, like, uses that as a way to, like, pressure the guy into doing what he wants. Uh, so, just really for, like, food moments, but not a food show, necessarily. That's a good one. Right. They just- I also want to defend the new Great British Bake Off, British Bake Off. <laughs> um, it's Everybody made so much fun of it when the first trailer came out because it was full of this, like, anthropomorphic food. (laughs) Um, But Noel Fielding is very funny, and Sandy Tuxig, who is uh, not coming back for new seasons, Uh, then Together I like very much after they get into a
2: groove. The Great British Big off is a great one. that I didn't even think about that, but that is, like, my stress-relieving TV show. Like Absolutely. You want to have some like nice, you want to have a a cup of tea and have a good time, then, then watch that show. (laughs) Um, cool. I have, I guess I'll have two shows that I like on opposite ends of the spectrum. But if you want to watch something that's like educational and learn more about food in America, um, Padma Lakshmi's new show, Taste the Nation on Hulu Mm -hmm. is very good. Um, it highlights like all foods that have been brought um, from immigrants, but there's also an episode about um, Native American food, like indigenous food, which is like really fascinating. And yeah, she just like travels all over um, America from like Hawaii to New Jersey. And like um, each episode, like kind of centers on a different food. Um, there's like an episode about Pad Thai and there's one about um, like Lomo Saltado. So it's really cool and quite informative. And I think it's like a fresh take on like the food travel show.
1: Yeah, um, for sure. I agree. I just I just finished this like last week. Um, and it was definitely like one of the most gratifying like food travel show watching experiences that I've had like in a long, long, long time, I think. Yeah.
0: Kat, you interviewed Padman Lakshmi for a Thrillist, right? About about the show.
2: I did. I did. And she was very gracious and super cool. But yeah, like we got to talk about like, she, you know, she was saying that she wanted to make this show because she didn't feel like she had seen this show. And I I, I kind of agree because, like, everyone who's comparing her show, like, everyone talks, brings up um, Anthony Bourdain sure. talking about her show. Or someone like Jonathan Gold, which is, like, really cool. They're both, like, amazing. Um, they, they're both such beacon, beacons of knowledge about food. But, you know, at the end of the day, they're also, like, both white men who are, like, entering the food world as like an outsider. So it's kind of cool to see like a woman of color, like come in and like, she is an immigrant herself and like really talk about the immigrant experience. Cause I felt like in the Thai episode, I felt like I was watching like my own family's story. Like I felt very seen. And I don't think that um, a lot of these like cooking or travel food shows ever have really do that. So like, it was powerful for me too. Cause I, I was like, yeah, this is what my mom does. But so, like, we go to the temple too. And we like eat at the Thai temple on the weekends, whatever yeah
0: yeah that's awesome and it's on hulu right now so everyone can check it out if you have a subscription or if yeah. you steal a subscription from someone
2: yeah and my other pick is also on hulu so this is great but my other pick is not it's, it's bob's burgers Just <laughs> 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 some good old good old quality bob's burgers is easy watching
0: you know that is a show yeah. that is um i feel like so many people have told me to watch that show where i almost you know don't want to watch it because of that uh what do you like about will, Bob's Burgers? Oh yeah, god. all right, here we go. Yeah,
2: will you? It, will you would like it? Okay. Will you will like it? It's will you it's, like it's, Bob Burger? <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun! It's so funny! Their Thanksgiving episodes are always so great too. Like, I I don't know. It you just have to watch it. It's it's like really cleverly written and and there's always great burger puns and yeah. you don't know, like honestly. I'm thinking about like the food that you see. You it's never like so enticing or anything like. but it's still you know it's still nice and it's about a restaurant a dysfunctional family running a restaurant so
0: it's good awesome well now on hulu this is not sponsored by hulu by the way but if you want to throw some bucks please go right ahead well you know on the heels of that yeah on the heels of that i think we'd be remiss not to um talk about some of our favorite food documentaries because i'm sure you guys have a lot of thoughts there
1: yeah, I mean, like, I feel like you can't talk about food documentaries without talking about Jiro Dreams of Sushi, mm-hmm. um, yep. just because of how, one, like, beautiful it is, and just, mm-hmm. uh, well, I feel like it did so much for that space in general, and now, like, you can't even, like, get into his restaurant anymore. So it's it kind of captures this, like, very specific moment in time, in a way, uh, that is just not accessible anymore. Um, I also think Psalm is a, is a good doc that it, it basically, like, walks you through a bunch of uh, people who are preparing for the Master Sommelier exam and uh, all of the things that they have to go through, all of the training uh, to even, like, get to that place. Mm-hmm. Um, also wine-related, uh, I think Sour Grapes is really fun. It's essentially about, like, a wine con man who basically like mixed a bunch of crappy wines to make it taste like very good wine uh, and then sold it for a ton of money, um, like at auctions and things like that. Um, Those are, those are, I don't know. I also like the, I don't know. I feel like I I have a lot of like beverage centric ones. The, The birth of sake to me is also incredibly beautiful. I think it's still on Netflix. It used to be. Actually, most of these things should still be on Netflix. Um, but that is also just, like, absolutely gorgeous. You're watching the process of, of, of sake being made. And it, and, it, and it goes through, like, all of the winter. And people, like, in this one shop that they focus on leave their homes to go and stay for months um, to kind of, like, have these really grueling shifts to make it, like, quote, unquote, correct. And, like, the very old-style, traditional kind of methods.
0: That's super cool. I no, I love the beverage picks, and those are all great. Um, I think that Salm and Sour Grapes are like it, that's a great like double feature, seeing both sides of the wine world. Like, Kat, as far as food docs, in your opinion, uh, you know, what are some of your favorites?
2: Um, I'm gonna pick a docu series. if okay. that's okay. Because um, yeah, Jiro, of course, classic. But um, and Leanne and I have talked about this, but um, street food on Netflix is very mm-hmm. good. And Leanne, I think you're saying the second season is just came
1: out yeah 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 street food latin america came out a couple weeks ago
2: yeah but like the first season the first two episodes like i cried through both of them like they were just like so good but basically like you know um these uh these people like they go to different parts of the world and examine like the different street foods and like they highlight these um incredible like chefs who like have you know a lot of these stories are like rags to riches type stories and like they're really powerful. How they like how how is it possible that um, a woman in Thailand making crab omelets can have like a Michelin star? Like it's kind of like this you know tracking um, like this success, which is really interesting. And the food shots are like so beautiful. And I, I feel like everyone like I, I learn something new each time I watch it. Just like different foods from around the world, and yeah, it's it's, it's really good and it's very very touching. I would say.
1: Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah, it, it. Yeah, it's
0: so well shot too. I mean, um, it. it they're taking street food, which you it's, know, some of my favorite food, and it's it's they they treat it like an episode of Chef's Table, which makes sense because it's by the same people who made Chef's Table. But it's cool yeah. to see that type yeah, of food showcase. Yeah, I like
1: Chef's Table and Yeah, yeah. And yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: So if you know, I know
1: what he's doing. Like style. Yeah, it's exactly like that.
0: Uh, yeah. No, it's amazing. Now streaming yeah. on uh, Hulu. No, it's on Netflix, yeah. actually. <laughs> shifting gears a little bit, I want to ask you guys about your favorite fictional bar or restaurants um, or even favorite fictional food. I, I one, one that jumps in my mind immediately is, like, you know, the bar from Cheers. I feel like it's become the gold standard for the neighborhood hangout, you know, the bar where, to quote the song, where everybody knows your name, um... I don't think that's a realistic standard. I don't think there's ever going to be a bar in your life that is exactly like that because if you go into a bar and um, everyone's there all day, they don't usually act that happy. It's usually a lot more depressing yeah. than what Cheers <laughs> <yours> portrays. <Yeah. laughs> I remember reading Harry Potter and always wanting to eat in 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 their dining hall, especially like the Christmas dinners. But what comes out to your mind? Yeah. Like, what do you want to experience? Sure.
1: So, like two in particular, and maybe because they both have to do with hamburgers in some way <laughs> um but like the Krusty crab. yes and oh my god Like that's on my list <laughs> yes thank god I've, I've, I've wanted to have a Krusty Burger for my entire life maybe <laughs> give um, me a Krabby Patty I, yes Krabby Patty Burger um and then also Good Burger like something about like Good Burger and the the sauce that goes on it like I want to eat at these places
2: Okay, so I'm going to skip the Krusty Krab since we talked about it. Um, man, I'm going to talk about Disney more, which I feel, like, is annoying, but it's happening. I'm just talking about Disney a lot. <laughs> but but Pizza Planet, like, I want to go to freaking oh, Pizza yeah. Planet yeah, yeah. and, like, eat pizza and play games and be, like, a kid. And I don't know, like, I drove by, like, Chuck E. Cheese the other day and they're like, we're doing takeout. And it made me so depressed. <laughs> but um, Pizza Planet would be a good one. Or... Um, in princess and the frog at the end tiana's place you know yeah. she she has like a restaurant and it's on the river and there's like beautiful string lights and like the beignets in that movie look so like pillowy and good so that's another one that i was like that would be cool but yeah harry potter was also a big thing i've always thought the three broomsticks and having a butterbeer would be cool which you can do at universal studios so but don't go there now because we're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, the other thing about that, too, because I, I do think that there is some like Pizza Planet type situation at Disney World. But yeah, though. And, you know, there's whatever the Star Wars cantina they have now. But you know, yeah, at theme parks it never it's never like how you want it's
2: it to be. It's not the same. It's really not. No. Yeah. No. It's, a cheap it's so much simile. more fun in your imagination. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Same, same with, like, same like Moe's, like, the Simpsons. Oh, the whole yeah.
1: Simpsons, yeah. Uh, yeah. Set up, theme park. Like, I would like to go and get a flame in Moe's. <laughs> or drink, like, yes. a, a Duff beer, whatever that actually is. But
2: also, I don't.
0: Just not yeah. there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> they, they have a dust beer garden at Universal Studios. And, a, oh. and the Moe's, yeah. Yeah. If you're ever out in L.A., you should go to Universal Studios. Yeah. <laughs> Twenty
0: twenty one. Yeah. We'll do it.
2: Twenty twenty one, maybe. <laughs>
0: exactly. I know that you guys wanted to talk about this. Favorite food moments in video games or food centric video game. I know Kat, you and I have talked about the cooking mechanism in Breath of the Wild, and I think that you in Zelda, Breath of the Wild on, on the Switch. Um I think you wrote about it a little bit, but that was one of my favorite parts of the game. It's so relaxing. I know you guys are both video game enthusiasts. Kat, what are some other video game moments? that have to do with food that really stick out in your mind
2: yeah yeah so i did write an article about this like last year just about food and video games and how i don't know prevalent it is how prevalent it's been since like arcade games like burger time or like tapper which are fun games um from like way back when yeah but yeah i i think um breath of the wild is so fun because you it's experimental but i also think like I cooking mama comes to mind. Like cooking mama was like the best game to play on the DS. It was, it was so fun, and the food always looked so good. Again, just something about like these little pixelated foods. I don't understand. Yeah. But that game was, you know, supposed to teach you how to quote unquote teach you how to cook and like chop and like do things. And I remember in like on the first DS where there was like that little microphone. You would like occasionally have to like lift the ds to your mouth and like blow on the soup to make sure the soup doesn't (laughs) overflow um so that's definitely one but also something else that I, i wrote about was um final fantasy 15 which is a game that i haven't played but when i was first doing research for that article my brother was like you have to include final fantasy 15 and if you go on youtube and look up like final fantasy 15 food there's like Compilations of like all the gorgeous food you can make. And then I found like this Reddit thread where people were like crowdsourcing a recipe book um, based on like the different dishes you can make. So yeah, the food in that game looks like incredible. It's like, yeah. it's truly unreal,
1: like better, yeah. again, like better than normal food, but like still incredibly
2: realistic. Yeah. Yeah. It's like everything is like glistening. It's, it's yes. really gorgeous. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, Yeah, Leanne, what do you think?
1: Yeah, so got to agree with Breath of the Wild. Like, just such a grat- satisfying, gratifying world minigame as part of the game. And part of that, I think, um, related in the new Monster Hunter <laughs> that came out a couple years ago, maybe two years ago at this point. I don't know how time works anymore. Um, there's also, like, not, like, quite a minigame, but, like, you walk up essentially to this little, like, cat guy and you ask him to make things for you. And it's there's like this interstitial that's so fun to watch where he just like kind of spins around and does all this fun stuff and then presents you with a dish that is just strictly nourishment <laughs> when you go out and hunt giant monsters and dinosaur things. Um, I also love overcooked, which probably makes me a uh, sociopath. Um, I love overcooked. It's, it's so fun. I, I'm <laughs> like, so I'm the kind of, I'm the kind of person who will, like, play this by myself, which is so sad. Okay, me- <laughs> never mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's meant to be, like, collaborative as, like, two people, like, working together to, like, crank out a bunch of dishes and these, like, weird little um, puzzles. And you're, like, cutting, like, grabbing the ingredient and, like, chopping the onion and then putting it in a pot and make sure it doesn't uh, burn. Um, it's, it's really, like, a true test of a relationship if you can play Overcooked together and get along after still.
2: Leanne we should play online together. Yeah,
1: be my friend. Play over again I'm so down. I
2: can't beat certain levels by myself. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how you play by yourself. It's so hard. But it's it's it, I I like figured out the way
1: that you can like kind of switch between one character at a time because there's a configuration where you can use the whole controller uh, on, at least on the PlayStation to do to move like two characters at the same time, which, uh, absolutely not. I'm not doing that ever. If anyone wants to play Overcooked out there, hit me up and hit, <laughs> uh, so we can all play together. <laughs> yes.
0: I 100%. might. I might sit that one out, but I have a. No problem. <laughs> yeah, you guys don't care. Okay, we need to take a very quick break, but we will be right back. So one last question, it's a little bit of a hypothetical here. So you're hosting a dinner party, right? Uh, This is after COVID, so it's safe to invite anyone. You can invite one person, living or dead, one Hollywood movie star, celebrity. Who are you inviting, Leanne?
1: Well, I'm going to have a little three-top, I think. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I'm I'm asking my fellow like chaotic goods to join me in this dinner. Um and I think it would be Aquafina and Chelsea Peretti and I think that would be an insanely <laughs> weird and fun dinner.
0: Okay. Yeah. You can play really you can play over overcooked and you'd have a Yeah, yeah. There you go. Yeah, dude. Cat, <laughs> who would you invite?
2: Um I would invite probably um One of my favorite people, and I feel like America's favorite person, uh, Chrissy Teigen. She is my half-white, half half Thai sister. And I bet you, you know, like, she already knows how to cook, so I feel like if she's coming to this dinner party, she's probably bringing, like, some good food. Also, her pans are great. I have them. (laughs) And I feel like um, she would probably bring her mom along, because I feel like she and her mom go everywhere together, and I love her mom, and her mom would probably bring some good food, too, so... Definitely. My pick is Chrissy Teigen plus potentially Chrissy Teigen's mom.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Those are very good answers. Um, I guess I would I would choose uh, Peter Ostrom, Charlie Bucket, because I have Ooh. a lot of questions about horses that I feel like he could answer. So, <laughs> I feel like. Well, I have to say, uh, there's a ton of picks laid out here that I haven't seen that I haven't experienced that um I want to both gross and appetizing and weirdly horny this episode got, but um. It was a blast. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for coming. Leanne, if people want to um, log on, maybe play Overcooked with you, uh, look up your stuff, where can they find you online?
1: Well, do you want me to drop my Switch code in here? (laughs) Uh,
0: I don't know. I probably wouldn't do that.
1: (laughs) Uh, No, I guess I'm on Twitter at L-E-A-N-D-U-T-K if
2: if you're so
0: inclined. Cool. And, yeah, Kat, what about you? Where can people read your articles, and find you online.
2: Um, you can also find me on Twitter. It's Cat Thompson with a K and then two N's at the end of Thompson. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, I will be there. DM me for my switch code.
0: <laughs> yeah. There you go. Uh, Alright, guys. Yeah, this was so fun. Um, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat. I still have half of that meatball sub. I ate half during the Godfather Part 3, but um, I saved half nice. for right now, so I'm going to go do nice. that. Uh Yeah, cool. Thank you so much for coming on.
2: Thanks, Will. Thanks, Will. All
0: right. Bye bye. Woo! All right. Big thanks to Leanne and Kat for coming on. And thanks to the entire Thrillers Podcast team Jim D'Amico, Megan Kirsch, producer Mia Fask, Brett Kushner, Emily Feld from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hadakudor, and Dan Byrne, who edited and mixed this episode and, per usual, did an excellent job. Thanks for listening. See you next week.